0: Thank you very much for appearing on a podcast. Um, yeah. These things happen. I, it's been fun doing a lot of the podcasts because you never know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, technical difficulties
0: can be exhilarating. <laughs> Occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's, let's... So, tell us a bit about yourself and, like, and what led you to becoming... Into Jediism. What what made you get into it?
1: Um, well, nothing made me
0: get. It. I just wanted to. Um,
1: there was a time about ten years ago where I was becoming a bit, frustrated know, frustrated, or bored, in life, and I already had a lot of background in you know studying things like philosophy and uh, different you know I hesitate to use the word spiritual, but for lack of a clearer term, well, then, um, spiritual foundations. Um, I'd studied religions uh, sort of as a a satellite field of study um, and was just sort of going along and realized that I had this, you know, I was comfortable, but then I sort of had this existential hole It wasn't really you know, doing anything with. Um, so when I noticed that the Temple of the Jedi Order had, among their initial studies, well then, as I saw, there was um, the, the Power of Myth, the interviews that Bill Moyers did with Joseph Campbell uh, back in 1987. And, I had seen those when they were first aired on the American PBS. Uh, so seeing as how that was in and among the initial studies, along with Alan Watts, uh, along with uh, Krishnamurti, uh, and things they'd already had some experience with, well then I thought, well, this would probably be a good way to go. And so I did that and I've just kept
0: out of it since. Hmm. What? Um, so, effectively, what? But what? What was it in particular that, that made Jed? So, is the interview, with that really sort of that interview really had an influence on in you? But what was said specifically that sort of really sort of registered in here? And made you decide, right? I really want to give this thing a go.
1: Well, no, that's a That's a uh, that's a deep question because there wasn't really anything in particular about those interviews which I had by that time known for twenty years. I'd known about them. I'd seen them, you know, occasionally over the uh, over that span of time. Um, it was. Basically, the knowledge they already came to the temple of the Jedi Order with uh, about how popular culture has to be based on things which are already a part of our collective mythology. And um, when I saw that you know this group was founded on that, well, then I thought, well, I sort of belong here, and um, I've been there ever since. Um, that having that foundation before helped a lot, um, and it also helps me help other people who have never had any experience, which is, you know, that's, that's sort of what I do in the temple. It's my job to, to, to guide people along in their studies and sort of overseeing you know, how they're learning things like that, how they're learning, you know, about the force, which, as I said before, was, you know, the force, it's undefinable, I can't tell you what it is. It's you know just something bigger than me. Now, that also is something that Joseph Campbell talks about with Bill Moyers. but then he has to do it in the framework that it already exists, so, you know, how it's been done all throughout you know, human history, is we have a symbolic imagination. And so when we're trying to describe these intangible, totally not concrete principles, well then we have to kind of give a face to that. And that's what all the characters in myth are. That's what all the gods of every Pantheon are. And that's what the characters in our popular culture are. Whether it be Star Wars or Harry Potter or, you know, Doctor Who or, you know, Sherlock or whatever, what have you. You know, it's, it's all based on the same thing. It's all the way we try to make sense of the world. It's what, what gives us. a a narrative framework. Hmm. So that's what brought me into Jediism. It wasn't necessarily Jediism in and of itself, but it's just an avenue through which you know I can explore, you know, my existential landscape, and where I can, you know, help others do the same.
0: And what what are the so? There's this three tenets, right, in Jediism, and there's the 21 maxims, right? Could you elaborate on what what they are and what they mean to you?
1: Well, the three tenets is, you know, knowledge, uh, wisdom. Those are principles, they're overarching principles. And the maxims are basically a way to cut down Everything we find in, in, in ethics, they're just principles, virtues that we aspire to. Now, with the entire doctrine of you know, the temple of the Jedi Order, I cannot speak, I cannot insist enough so on, about the fact that I cannot speak for every Jedi group. But with ours, the entire doctrine is not prescriptive. We don't tell people this is how you must behave. We describe ideals, virtues that we can aspire to, all the while knowing we'll never be able to live ideally. If you think about it in either classical mythology or even in what we find in popular culture, none of these characters are completely virtuous. I mean, if you want to completely virtuous, well, then you're going to have to use a 1960s situation comedy. That's, you know, it's certainly unreal. Um, for us, you know, the maxims are merely virtuous ideals. Uh, we keep them in mind when we approach particular situations, and much of the time, perhaps more often than not, we forget. And that's why we have to keep coming back to it. Is something that Alan de wrote about when he was writing about our religion in his book, Religion for Atheists, is that we're kind of addicted in, in, in our postmodern culture to novelty. We always want something new, but that's not the way pedagogy happens. Pedagogy happens when we repeat things. And as it were, with things which are only intangible principles, we have to repeat them quite often because we don't remember. And that's part of what we do also, is repeat things.
0: Hmm. So, and one thing I do want to ask, how would you, so what's what's the organization of, uh, of Jediism, like across the world, and in terms of the UK, is there, and what's how, what are the bodies that run everything? can I can only describe the way we do, and that is the temple in the temple
1: of the Jedi Order. When we've got our we've got our council, which is just an administrative part. We keep the lights on, you know, keep the server running, keep the, um, and we do make some. You know administrative decisions you know regarding you know conflict resolution um, below that we've got well not below that but apart from that well then we have the night school which is just the body of all the knights of our temple and they're the ones who are responsible for you know creating lessons for guiding apprentices to knighted or deciding whether or not someone is you know ready to be dubbed a knight um, there's uh, and there's a very clever IP team which that it's run by one of the apprentices a good one actually and he's uh, they, what they do is they help initiates you know study you know the, 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 the initiates program that become initiated into uh, into what it is to, to live as a je um, to get them ready for being an apprentice. Uh, other than that, it's just you know an extensive member pool that you know we hang out and we talk to one another and you know sometimes we talk about what it's like to be a Jedi and sometimes we just talk about anything that you would hear people talk about in the in the tube. You know, it's <laughs> it, it's not um it, it's not a very rigorous environment. Um, it takes a lot of rigor and it takes a lot of personal dedication to live according to principle. But then, it's not to make us anything superhuman. It's just to get us up to being, you know, relatively nicer Okay. And
0: does how do you? So I hear that. In is a big part of it is including exercise and mental health and like the World War One. So is that included within the church as a whole that you exercise it's a
1: lot? It's very highly encouraged. And yes, I'm in the gym at least five days a week. But then that's, uh, as with any religion, whether it be, you know, Jediism or Buddhism or Taoism or Christianity for that matter, well then, one ought to take care of one's body because it's the only one we have. You know, this is the body's temples because you know we can't really interact with those with you know the, the immensity of life. You know that is you know the thing bigger than me, which is of course, if our bodies are decrepit and decaying and falling apart. Um, so yeah, so the, the the physical health and the maintenance of the physical.
0: Help is is a very important part of what we do. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, there are a lot of misconceptions. And the, yeah, you said earlier that the most stupid thing you get is people saying, "Oh, can you lift the car?" or "Do you do lightsaber stuff and all that?" And <laughs> how? What what are your typical responses if someone asks, "Could you lift? Could you lift this car for me?"
1: I ask them if they can. but um, it's especially whenever it's, I ask them why they would want to do that or why they would want to be able to do that or why they want me to and what it generally boils down to is they want something that they can see, they want some sort of external sign and that's well That's that's It it sort of goes. I I don't know how much philosophy you've studied, but you know, Jean Baudrillard wrote, you know, about the precession of semirach, and all that is even the desire to uh, the desire to to, um, to do telekinesis. It's just wanting there to be a projection of some outward sign that this thing is true, which. In that outward sign is something they recognize from popular culture or even from literature or whatever, some, some film. Um, but that's not the way it is. Um, the Jedi in the films were portrayed as being able to practice telekinesis or being able to, you know, run really fast or having these superhuman characteristics. But that's not new. A lot of heroes in classical mythology, um, you know, over you know in all you know human stories, there's some there's some kind of a supernatural you know thing going on there. And well, with the nature of super nature, well then it's it is it's beyond our capabilities. Why would someone want? You know, why? Why would somebody want to either be able to do telekinesis or to be able to see it, or telepathy, or you know, all those things that you know we don't know if they're true or not, but, but I can't do it, and that isn't particularly important to whether
0: or not I can live up to the principles with that. If someone could do those things, it would be very hard for them not to do it for the wrong reasons. The things that we can do, it is very hard for us not to do those things for the wrong reasons. Yeah, but it would make it worse. So this is a power co-ops absolutely. Yes. And it doesn't even have to be absolute power.
1: Someone give, someone given, you know, a power that they can't have taken away from them and they're probably going to use it, they're going to be at least tempted to use it for, for you know dodgy things. It's like Plato's The Ring of gauges: The Ring of Jesus, did you say? No, the Ring of Gages. in Plato, the ring that would make one invisible. Um, it was found by Mr. shepherd, and he wound up killing the king and stealing his wife. Because a ring that makes you invisible, you can do anything you want to, and no one's going to be able to blame you. Hmm. Well, that can be used for any sort of you know, supernatural power. You know, a power thing which is supernatural is going to probably lead to, you know, dodgy behavior. And that is just supported by the fact that the things that we can do, we often abuse them. Yeah. So it's a, it's a cautionary story. It's a cautionary uh, feature of a lot of stories that when one does have power, one has to be quite responsible with.
0: One thing I want to ask is, have you seen the documentary of the American Jedi?
1: I don't know if I've seen the whole thing or not. Um, and if I did, I watched it once and it was probably not impressive. <laughs> it's, um, I, I now, I think, two apprentices who took part in that. Um, and, you know, there are the, the American Jedi documentary was not merely based on the Temple of the Jedi Order. It was based on a lot of different Jedi groups, a lot of people from a lot of different Jedi groups. And, you know, I, I know some of them, and, you know, they're, they're all right people. We have a little bit a different uptakes on things. Um, I don't think it's a documentary that needed to be made.
0: What why why would you say that?
1: Well, because
0: something that I've tried
1: to teach all of my purposes is that we don't do any of the things that we do because we are Jedi. We are Jedi because we hold to the principles that we hold, which compel us to do what we do very often seeing as a lot of the Jedi come from Taoism, well then we also value non-action not having to do something about something which we consider unacceptable. Um, it quite often works itself out. And that's one of the things that are it's one of the things that are the most difficult to accept it's you know, we're often t- trained to be proactive. But, you know, whereas it is good to be proactive in many situations, in many, in, in many more, it's better just to leave things alone. We are not just, you know, become alarmed and jump up and think we have to fix something. It may not be broken. Um, um, we don't have necessarily a complete enough perspective to know, you know what it's connected to, what what are the variables that are creating this situation? It's best to it doesn't mean doing nothing either. It just means no inappropriate action, no precipitated action. Don't jump whenever you can just you know get a good feel, first of all, for what's really going on, and then be able to act in such a way that you know is much more effective than you know, jumping in where angels get. Tread, and then discovering why
0: angels fear to tread there. Hmm. Yeah, it's and what what's so in in a nutshell, you're you you're saying you know people know that this that that exists, and they know the base. You're saying that people know a little bit of what it's about, and. that's why it didn't need to be made, or?
1: I'm thinking that it's all the best that one does not, uh, we do what we do, uh, because it's the thing to do. And that's the thing that we characterize, which just the belief and the faith in the force, and doing what is right in front of one to do, uh, rather than having this elaborate, ritual system where, okay, I'm doing this because I am a Jedi. No, Jedi, I am a Jedi Knight. It is merely you know, a qualification that I have lived up to rather than a qualification that I, that I have because I did particular things, you know, extraneous to holding those principles and, you know, rising to those occasions where I need to be responsible. I said, we don't necessarily need to say that we're a Jedi. It's going to, I think, be more confusing than anything else for the general public because they're going to see that as portraying a character from a film, rather than someone living up to a set of principles that have been around for time immemorial. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think I get it. And how does the structure of the church work? Like in terms of people want to study, they go from this level, this level to that level, how does it work?
1: someone comes into the temple and they can either decide to just hang out for a while and you know talk to us, or they can decide to undertake the studies, in which case they will begin with the initiatives program, which I mentioned before. Uh, it's more or less self study, but then, as I said, there is the IP team who are doing a bang up job with that, and they help the initiates, you know, get through the program. At the end of which, they can be taken as an apprentice by someone who's been in knight for a while and who will then teach them how to live with the doctor and who will give them lessons, uh, which will, you know, show them, you know, how. One can approach the situation from various perspectives. Um, at the end of the apprenticeship, the, the, the mentor will then propose the next school that the pupil is ready for becoming a knight. The knights will deliberate on it and they will accept that person or not. Um, once one becomes a knight, there's still a program of study thereafter. Which is just lesson upon lesson upon lesson of you know learning how to be an effective knight, uh, and those studies are not. It's not a set program. It's basically done according to whatever the learner needs to learn at a particular time. Um, it's it's very really loose. that. There, there's no reason why one should be you know focusing on a lesson about Humility. Whenever really, what they're having a problem with is is leadership or something like that. So, you know, the the order of lessons doesn't really matter so much. And then once they've done an adequate number of lessons, and we consider that you know they're ready for promotion, well then they're given um, another degree, and they're you know eligible for promotion to senior night. Um, That too. It just entails continuing to study, continuing to live according to principles, perhaps taking an apprentice and helping that apprentice learn to live according to the principles up through the time where they can be united themselves. There are a lot of avenues
0: to serve Hmm. as well. So, as you said, that there's slightly difference in different parts. What you said in American Jedi—they're slightly different to what your your church is as a whole. But um what would you say has been the most interesting experience you've had as a result of Jediism? My
1: apprentices—they are the their delight, and that's. That, for me, has been the, the most wonderful aspect of, of being part of this organization, is you know, helping helping these wonderful people become Jediites themselves and watching as they stop sharing what they have learned with others who aspire to the same. And they're, they're all really good at it. And they, you know, they're, they're still very, really, you know, helpful, the, very respectful, the of people who you know are there to you know, help people out and help people just understand things a, a little bit better or maybe not you know very maybe not you know crystal clear but you know, enough to, to at least provide people with other perspectives on things which is really often all it takes. Um, being there, not not telling someone how to do something, but then be, just being with them while they're sorting it out themselves. Um, and that's that's essentially what you know, that's been the most interesting aspect of me.
0: Hmm. And what what is, so with within if you before I interview, you asked me a series of questions and what, what have you found, so you've been interviewed before in regards to Jedi's what, what is the general tone you find in interviews? What, what are they like and how, yeah, what are the sort of questions you generally get? Well
1: I guess it depends on you know which body it is. The vast majority of the ones that I've had have started out where they wanted to know how it relates to Star Wars, um, so, I don't mind talking about that, you know, it's like the, 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 the fictitious, the fictional Jedi are sort of caricatures of, you know, what we are and what we aspire to be, you know, virtuous and, you know, just a little bit of a rascal, you know, underneath. But then, um, and then it moves on, when I've been interviewed with well, them, I will always go into comparative mythology. I always go into phenomenology and philosophical undertones, and even the overtones. Um, that's just I, I can't really share anything, you know, from all the groups, and I can, you know, only touch on what it's like in the temple, the Jedi Order. What I basically do is tell it from my perspective, which is, which is just that I see it, you know, as a combination of all religions. I see it as an amalgamation of you know lots of different philosophical thoughts. And I don't even, you know, exclude that which is contradictory. Because as it were, you know, when we were talking a little while ago about, we you know the maxims and the teaching are all ideals or virtues that we try that we aspire to, that we try to live up to. But as we all know just by living day to day to day in the real world, well then sometimes ideals Collide. Sometimes they're not compatible. And there, where you've got incompatible ideals, you've got an absurdity that has to be reconciled. This is what I tell the press. And of course, a lot of times they don't get it. Um, I have conducted, I've had, I've run some interviews where they love what I tell them. And then, as I told you also when we were talking over Messenger, I was interviewed by, there was one, yeah, right you know, in, in Trump's who got really cross with me, because I didn't have anything to show them. You know, <laughs> so, you know, that's, um, I think that a lot of times, when it comes to the press, and they ask for interviews, well then, they are wanting to reveal something which is a little more close to Star Wars. And we can draw parallels, but then it's not, what we do is not based on Star Wars. It's based on the underlying principle, and the just the, the, the characters in stories taken from everywhere and from all time that have inspired, you know, what
0: became the Jedi Knight in Star Wars. One thing that I am interested to ask you is how, how do, so when you're at work or in jobs or like, what, what do you do as a job? What's your thing? What did you do? Do before?
1: I talked for quite a while,
0: for seven years I believe, and then
1: I worked at the conservatoire. and now for the last three years I've been in uh, the um gestion de ressources of the direction of the, uh, direction of the group. It doesn't sound right in English, the direction of the music, uh, where I'm the one who basically, you know, engages and pays the bills for, you know, four of the town, of the cities, you know, for the city's museums. So it's it's really, I don't know, it's, it's really
0: uninteresting, you know, to talk about that. I'm just going to count it, essentially. Um, because, I mean, you obviously, I'm sure that the, there's a few people that you've, that, that have found out about you being a Jedi. And I got outed actually. Um, I, I gave an
1: interview to the local paper in 2015, I believe. Um, um, the next day, there it was on the front page of Bien Public, which you know everybody in Burgundy gets. You know, where I'd say, you know there's a Jedi working at the Conservatoire de Dijon. Um, it was it was kind of an interesting experience because. Um, I did have colleagues who came up to me saying well before we didn't really know but then again we did and so you know it was uh, like that I've not really had any reactions you know
0: no one has You know, no one's taken the piss out of me about that. That's yeah because I've seen in a lot of movies or you see in a lot of situations you reveal something that's a bit quirky about yourself in some instances and then people use it as a perfect excuse to go.
1: Yeah. Well, generally when people do that it's because they're trying to, you know, point the finger at someone else in order to feel good about themselves. Um, with, you know, in my case, you know, I I just if they need to do that I'll just let them. Um but you know, they'll have to come to a, they'll come to a point where they realize that that sort of behavior doesn't work very well. Um what does work though is understanding people and you know understanding why it might come at me like that and then talking to them and a lot of times then they say, Oh, well, you know, that's not what I thought it was at all. This is really interesting. Um, so you know someone take the piss out of me, it's not the best way of saying hello, but then you know, it does work. <laughs>
0: It's there's there's a, a stoic saying of what I heard. Some if someone launches a very vicious attack on you, it's normally three reasons. It's either ignorance, anger, or it's yeah, it's ignorance, anger. And insecurity. Or envy as well. But they they yeah, normally those three things. Yeah, and insecurity comes from envy. Right.
1: Um that's one of the things that we do as a whole is
0: we try to, you know,
1: we try to attenuate people's insecurities. That's, that's something that we've got in postmodern culture all over is, you know, that there's no one who spends as much money as a people who are afraid of things. Um, so although, you know, there, there is good cause to be prudent, then, you know, irrational fears are just expecting things to come around every corner. And life just isn't really that dangerous.
0: So do you you get some stupid questions on the SIF then, as a result, are you saying that people are ignorant and they say things like, do you have the dark side or the SIF and all that? Do you get questions like that? Sometimes
1: and of course, what I tell them is that everyone's got their dark I mean that comes directly out of Jungian psychology. That's one of the things the Star Wars didn't do very well. They made it very manically in story, where it's you know a story of good versus evil, where there are some very clear lines between someone who is good and someone who is who is not. And essentially, that's if we want to go back, if we wanted to go back to what we were talking about with you know the abuse of power. Well then. That's, that's what the image, that's what the metaphor of the Sith is, is someone who will abuse that power for you know, personal gain or for, you know, to, in order to hurt other people uh, uh, in order to, to profit by it. Hmm. Um, but then that isn't really any different than any of us are anyway. In Jungian psychology, we talk about the shadow. Um, the shadow isn't necessarily evil, but it's all those things that we don't put into the persona, things that we don't show other people. But then they are all still very real influences in our life. Most of them subconscious. I mean, there's, I guess the, the, the most benign way of looking at it is, you know, you see somebody drop a £5 note and you pick it up and you put it in your pocket, you know, it's like lots of people would do that, um, especially if it's someone we don't know. If it's one of our friends, we might give it back, <laughs> we might not too. I mean, there's we, we've all got that that that, that ruse-ness to it. So um, and on the other end of the spectrum, well then, I don't know if you know the trial of Adolf. Eichmann that happened in 1961, but I don't know if Eichmann was the bloke who was uh, in charge of the German railway system under the Third Reich. Uh, He's one who organized the death trains that carried millions of people to their deaths in the camps. Uh, Yet, when he was caught and brought to trial in Jerusalem in 1961, what he was not this hate-filled little troll, he was just an ordinary man who, at the time, he had that job and he wanted to do a good job. So, even though he was very well aware of what was going on, and he's just one of those people who, is, his being had been, he, he was just, he got rid of this entire you know, moral fiber in order to serve the state. And that's what happens to any of us anytime that we will, you know, act unethically uh, in one of the, in a role like that, because I'm, you know, because I have this job, I will do this thing, which I know is not right. Or, you know, and that's why I'm very uncomfortable, even with the institution, of saying, I would do this because I'm a Jedi. Now, I do this because of me. and you
0: know, it's the Jedi have these ideals that I want to aspire to. Yes, that that I think it links to what you say about like I don't believe in the force because I'm not in Jedi's, but what I did do agree with in terms of because I read a book recently that says when you attach yourself to a certain ideal too much, it's very easy for someone to attack you, and it's very like you're saying, if someone does this because of that, it's it's, it's inauthentic. It's, yeah, it, yeah it, and it's very easy for someone to attack you, and you get very insecure. And often, like it's when people, as you say, tell the truth to people, because sometimes we get into our routines, and because you're so attached to a certain image, if someone attacks that image, that really damages that certain people, and it causes a resentment for them. Because right, of, right, it, should it should
1: never that. become an episodic feature. It should never become an identity feature, because whenever that happens, well, then it becomes something which is a small spot.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just fake. It's a like the thing is, Game of Thrones, is a great program, but someone like Jon Snow is a bit too, well, he, the thing that makes Game of Thrones good in a way is it doesn't paint them as too perfect, but. I feel like someone like Jon Snow, yeah, I think in certain situations, he's a bit too good to be true, I think. He yeah, well, him.
1: if you if we want to go into a science fiction show that did, did, I think, pretty good justice to, you know, the manifold nature of human personality, and that would have been Battlestar. Like I mean, all those characters were, you know, they had, Shining moments where you really fell in love with them, but then a lot of the times they were just bastard. You know, and that's the way most of us live our lives. You know, we cannot be good all the time. We have all got that dark side, and so what we have, which our responsibility. Whenever we feel that desire coming up, we want to, you know, do the maybe not right thing,
0: is to choose to do the right thing. So. And and also with a lot of people that they say do horrible things, like you see in movies, a lot of the the villain is always the guy that's supposed to be nice. And it turns out, oh, he's the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And the thing is they... they, It's like with uh, self-help gurus. They target very... and like marketing things. They say, we give you your money back. And they target very vulnerable and weak people who want to believe in a fantasy like Jon Snow or Lord of the Rings. And then what they do is they pray on it and they keep pushing it further. And so what? so with Jediism, what you guys don't do, which is, as you say, it takes from a lot of other religions is you, it's, it's, it's the way you conduct yourself. And you, you don't do it too strictly, but this is how we advise you to do it. And you should, advise, you should do it as much as possible for the right kind of life in a way.
1: Um, Keeping very much in mind, you know, ethics. Um, and also just what we can possibly know, you
0: know, it's like, yeah, we often operate under very false assumptions. It's too, um, yeah, it's too, because I've seen that as well sometimes, some situations, that I see people say, oh, this person's really nice and that, but you can, co- come on, if you look at it logically, you can clearly see that they're putting on an act, but it's the fact that you want to believe in a fantasy, that you believe that person.
1: Then... well, we often have those fantasies also about ourselves. I mean that's another thing self help you know industry you know from on is you know basically they promise, oh you too can be like this you know whatever kind of you know image that they're, they're you know describing, or you're deeply flawed, and here's how not to be deeply flawed um, in neither case is it very is it very accurate um that whenever we want to change something about ourselves, especially if we, you know, if we blow it out of proportion, say oh, I want to change to be you know, this wonderful, compassionate person. How can one actually make that choice unless one has already undergone the change? You know, you can't decide to change yourself from being a flawed person to a not flawed person being the flawed person making the decision. Well, as it were, we're all, you know, I wouldn't say flawed people but we've got you know uh, we've got the capacity to act in ethical ways we've got capacity to empathize with others we've got the we've got the ability to let genuine compassion grow out of that empathy we have also got we we're also selfish we are addicted to our comforts uh, we I I don't know how many of us would be able to survive in the wilderness. It's, um, but you know that's that's okay. It's all goes. That's all part of being a complete human being, and that's one of the things that I feel the Jedi, the Jedi path, ought to include. It's not just you know the straight and narrow path, but it's also sometimes getting lost and taking a trip through the brambles, and one of the things that I just very recently said is that the path is strewn with a lot of error. Um, Learning from those errors and learning how not to be, just having life smacked in the face, uh,
0: that's that's part of anyone's journey. So what do you feel, and this is a life advice in general in terms of the whole thing as well, because you made a good point about self-help. Like you uh, It's hard to make change when you're already sort of insecure, making the decision to go there. But how can you actually perpetuate lasting change from the inside and out? What do
1: you mean by lasting change?
0: Well, just to, to proper change. Like in the self-help, they make you feel like you're going to change, but you don't. I guess it depends on
1: what change you want to make. But then lasting change strikes me as an oxymoron. Because if this change, well then it's not lasting. And it's something it's a character trait one wants to develop and wants to perpetuate, well then certainly, but then that's very simply by practicing it. You know, it's I guess it's sort of um, in a way like Aristotle's virtue ethics. If you want to behave in a particular according to a particular virtue, well then when one finds oneself in a situation where that virtue would be practiced, well, then one would think, well, what would a virtuous person do? And do according to what you think a virtuous person would do. It could be that that's totally wrong. It might not be a virtuous person. But it's that trial and error and just that constant trial and error and trying to be good and trying to be virtuous and trying to be helpful and trying to... Pay attention to other people's needs and their feelings. That eventually, it be, it becomes easier. But you know, it's, it's 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 constant trial and error. Lasting change, I don't know what that would look like. I mean, I don't really. I don't. Hmm.
0: What's... What do you feel is going to happen to the religion as a whole or like the way way everything's set up considering with everything that's happened in the world at the moment? What do you think? There's always things going on in the world
1: and I suppose that our way of life is a very periodic one. It's just going to define a particular era and probably not even a very long one. But it will become something else because the principles that we try to live up to, the principles we try to abide, um, they've been around forever. And they've been, they're under lots of different guises, lots of different, you know, labels, and you know they're part of many different belief systems. So, it's not necessarily so important that, you know, people in 50, 100, or 500 years are calling themselves Jedi, I'm sure they will not be, but they will be, you know, identifying, with some sort of symbol, because that's just a part of our human evolution is you know our symbolic imagination how we you know use the symbolic imagination in order to give a framework to our existential narrative.
0: Okay. What's okay? Ooh. I think what, yes, I, I mentioned this before I got cut off, but how, what I mentioned before, you, you mentioned a lady, she who was involved in both Christianity and sort of Jediism. How, how does that work as a whole in terms of working in two religions in a way?
1: No, because they're based on the same thing. I mean, she doesn't bang up job you know, she has she she's, you know, very loyal, very faithful to her Christian heritage. And because the principles are exactly the same, well then you know, it, it, there's no incompatibility there. Um it's a particular interpretation, you know, by those who believe in other things, that one should be of only one religion, but I don't think one can be. I don't think that anyone can really be of one religion. One can practice according to a particular denomination and that may influence one to uh, deny the reality of the credibility of other religions, but I feel that's a misreading of it. I keep insisting on the fact that there's guiding principles that are the same in many religions. Most of them are, you know, things like, you know, love thy neighbor, be just, do no harm. So those things are the foundation of most belief systems. Hmm. So one can easily be of two or more religions. That's why I asked the question a little while ago. It's I consider myself, you know, part of all of them, really?
0: And there's something like four thousand religions in the world. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's incredible how many there are. Um, well, one thing I would like to say is, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. We've had some deep discussions, and I think you've well, you've made me more aware of Jediism more than just being Star Wars. So that's <laughs> that's been cheap. Um, but what life advice would you give to your younger self? My younger self, uh, I would probably tell. Them, I would
1: probably suggest that I start paying attention to this sort of thing, you know, earlier than I actually did. But, um, I yeah, I would say uh, to love as much as one can, to not hate, and to not take myself so seriously, Um, to, you know, just, we're not, life's good. Hmm.
0: Ah, so that, that you, you, yeah, do you you feel that people in their youth take themselves too seriously? And you feel, you feel that people um
1: i I don't know actually, I most of the people that I know, most of the people I get on with are, are are much younger people, and I see that sometimes we get into these very deep discussions about you know the way things should be, the way things are. Uh, and I find that they have and this is my generation's fault but they didn't get the guidance that they obviously had. Um, So they're looking for a mythology. And the closest they can come to getting one is just popular culture. So when they see just how popular culture can have an interpretation which is much more universal, well then sometimes it's a bit bewildering. And what... I do is just I'm there for them. I listen to them. I, Of course they take themselves uh, seriously, but what I try to urge them toward is being much more sincere than serious. Seriousness has a certain urgency to it, whereas sincere, it allows one to to, to be more authentic and be more oneself, um, it's it's very difficult these days. I think I find that young people have had an uphill battle trying to forge an identity. And the, you know, the, here in France, for instance, you know, people, are, you know, kids are expected to know what they want to be when you know they get out of school when they're like eleven. And this is ludicrous. And so what I the only thing that I can do with all of them is just be there listen to them and understand where they're coming from and then try to provide some sort of perspective on you know what other avenues are possible um you guys have your work I mean my, my generation <laughs> followed along in the footsteps of of our forbearers and we've left you a disastrous planet on all sorts of levels, you know, climate change, you know, political, economical, And I guess the, one of the things that I would, you know, tell young people is be very careful, of, you know, what seems important. And a lot of the times when we talk about the economy, well then you ought to realize that that's as much of a religion as any other religion. To the extent where we've got, uh, we're living in a time which is now, you know, pretty much bereft of any kind of mythology or any kind of belief in a deity. And this isn't new. This has been, you know, going on for hundreds of years since you know the humanism uh, movement started in like the 16th century. But it's certainly during the 19th century that you know atheism took on and you know will well bereft of anything which is larger than ourselves, well, then, you know, we, we have to feel like we have to drive the ship and um, that now has left people, you know, rudderless and clueless. And um, we've replaced that with pseudo-cultural institutions like, you know, financial systems. If you think about it now, if someone does not believe in economic growth, well, then you almost consider them, you know, a heretic. It's almost a blasphemy to say, you know, we probably need to be more careful about, you know, how we manage our economy. We probably ought not be, you know, so prone to, to to growth mindset, and we should probably shift it to a resource based. You know, system rather than a financial one, a scarcity one. Um, so basically, what I guess I would tell young people is just you know have hope. And the young people that I've known, they they do have hope, and they represent a lot of hope to me. And to the ones of my generation who are a bit wiser, they would represent hope to them too. Hmm.
0: It's, let's see what happens. I mean, things are getting seems to be getting a little bit better with the virus, and I think things will change for the better when this is all over.
1: When what's over?
0: When the virus. When when we can live. When the virus is over, and we can go out without wearing masks and worrying about catching it that's not the only thing that's going on right now. Um,
1: and I'm sure that things are going to, you know, get better and then not so much better. And, you know, it's, it's all a part of it. History is not linear. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all a, a lot of variables going on at once. You know, it's sort of like when you have a piano and you put your whole arm down on the keyboard. You know, that's, you know, there are some notes that stick out, and of course, this instance with you know the virus and the pandemic, that's just one of them. Um the virus is not going to be over ever. It's something we're going to learn to live with. We may come up with a vaccine. Um, but you know, things like viruses, illnesses, uh addictions, um, uh, Things like that—they're going to keep going on, and it, it's just all part of the part of the tapestry of you know what we call life.
0: Hmm. This is yeah, it's just one of those things, eh? But look, it's yeah. Well, we're actually quite fortunate that it came along when it did, because uh,
1: certainly it's, it's it's been catastrophic for those who you know. In quite ill and those you know, who have lost people that they love, but then it's there are other catastrophic things, there are other tragic things that take as many lives and we have to be just as careful about them. Um, mm. So we are not focused just so much on you know, the sanitary conditions right now, um, we, we've got to focus on all of it. I'm sure that you know, there will come a time whenever you know you know things things aren't going to be as as not but until then, we'll, we'll we'll make do with it. Hmm.
0: It is what it is. It is what it is. It?
1: <laughs> it's a very metaphysical thing to say. It is what it is.
0: Well, I mean, a lot of things are the way they are. And they, you can't, You sometimes you can't change, you just got to accept them what they are and then you have to adapt to them.
1: Yes, precisely. Within C, it is what it is, that they are what they are. Well, then the focus is on the verb. And that is metaphysic in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, Thank you for appearing on the podcast. Um, Thank you, Marvin, for having asked me to do And, yeah, if hit me up with any social media handles or anything you want to plug, and I'll put it in the description. And, um, yeah, just stay safe and well, and take care. Sure. You too. Take care of yourself, lad. Bye. Bye. <laughs> one second
1: you know I can never have to figure out how to turn it off either